Welcome in the name of Christ. God's grace, mercy and peace be with you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A very warm welcome here today to St. Peter's Gildersum on this sixth Sunday after Trinity. It's Sunday the 19th of July. My name is Paul Walker, I'm the vicar here in this benefice of Driglinton and Gildersum. Our worship begins this morning with the traditional hymn, lovely rousing hymn. Please join in and enjoy, to God be the glory, great things he has done.
Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought, word and deed. Through our negligence, through our weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And the collect for today, the Church's special prayer for the sixth Sunday after Trinity. Merciful God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as pass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we love in you above all things and in all things may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series on the book of Nehemiah. We're at week three and we've reached chapter four. So we're going to listen now to a, a portion of chapter four, not the whole of it, just verses one to 16, I think. And Harry and Sandra from St. Paul's will uh, give our reading this morning, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt, or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God 
and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Well, before we get uh, started this morning, just a couple of things I want to uh, mention very quickly. First of all, uh, I have managed to break my USB microphone, so the sound quality of this whole service today is a bit dodgy because that is not working anymore. Sorry about that. Uh, the second thing I want to say is that um, I decided some months ago that when we eventually got to the end of lockdown and we were moving towards opening the church, I would preach a series on the book of Nehemiah. And it just so happens that we have arrived at chapter four today. And I want to say that because uh, I wouldn't want anybody to think wrongly that anything that I say in this sermon is in any way aimed at anybody or is it in response to anything that may or may not have been happening in the church over the past week or so. Uh, it just so happens, purely coincidentally, that we are at Nehemiah chapter 4 today. So having said that, let's get started. Um, I think I'm probably going to be fairly brief today. Um, but I want to start with a little story, um, a little... Uh, Funny story I came across the other day. A congregation received a brand new minister, but some in the church felt that the new minister couldn't do everything that his predecessor did. The church leaders decided to put him to the test. And after a service one day, everybody went out on a church picnic to a local lake. They loaded all the picnic supplies into a boat. The congregation climbed aboard and they began to cross the lake to an island to have their picnic. Halfway across the lake, a member stood up and said, Oh no, we have forgotten the hot dogs. Someone will have to swim back and get them. Immediately realising he was being put to the test, the new vicar got out of the boat and promptly walked across the water to retrieve the hot dogs. There was a moment's stunned pause. But one critic suddenly said, see, I told you this guy was no good. He can't even swim. There is a cost to spiritual leadership. Oswald Sanders, who lived, uh, he was born in the early part of the 20th century, died in 1992. 
one of the great writers on Christian leadership in the 20th century. His classic book was called Spiritual Leadership, written in 1967. A bit dated, but it's still, I think, really relevant. And he wrote this. No leader is exempt from criticism. And his humility will nowhere be seen more clearly than in the manner in which he reacts to it. Why is this? Well, very simply, every group, every club, every organisation, every workplace, every business and certainly every church has its own Sanballat and Tobias. They were characters in this morning's reading. Nehemiah 4 opens with the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt and the opposition gathering. It's obvious that the enemy's tactics have not changed since Nehemiah's day. And so it's probably a good point right at the beginning to remind ourselves of who the builder was. Because when you get right down to it, God was the builder. God was the architect and Nehemiah was his contractor. God was at work and it was his will that that wall around Jerusalem be rebuilt. And anyone in opposition to that goal was, in the words of this passage, in opposition to God. Again, from Oswald Chambers' Spiritual Leadership. If you never get criticised, the chances are you're not doing the will of God. And if your critics are listening to the voice of God, then you need to hear what they are saying. But if they're not, you need to stand fast. I like to think that I am honest enough to realise that I am not perfect. That I sometimes get things wrong. And if my critics are right, then I need to listen to what they're saying. But what if they're not? What if the things that people don't like in the church are actually what God wants to happen? Maybe we need to think about that. It's clear from verses 1 to 3 that Sanballat was outraged at the progress of the wall. Look at verses 1 to 3. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back from this rubble? And then Tobiah the Ammonite jumps in. Doesn't have anything constructive at all to say. He just, he just niggles away, doesn't he? What are they building? Even a fox climbing on this wall would break it down. All you can hear is scorn, contempt, sarcasm. Now, why would the rebuilding of a wall cause such outrage, such violent reaction? Because they felt threatened. They felt threatened. Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, who was the third member of this particular unholy trinity, they had a nice thing going before Nehemiah showed up. They had their little set up, they had their little system, they were probably making quite a good living. It suited them to have things that, as they were. And then Nehemiah comes talking about God, talking about God's will, and he disrupts everything. And so they begin a campaign of mocking, 
scoffing, sneering and jeering. One of my favourite podcasts that I like to listen to is Tom Rayner, Rayner on Leadership. And this week's episode, he interviewed Ed Stetzer. Now, Ed Stetzer is one of my favourite authors. He's written a number of very interesting uh, books about Christian leadership and ministry. Uh, but his latest book, I have not yet read. I've, I've now put it on my wish list. And it's called Christians in an Age of Outrage. And he reflects on, and he was talking about it on this podcast, he reflects on how as Christians we seem to have become more and more outraged. Why is it? He talks about this, if I can quote him, the constantly outraged Christian is a sad sight. Now the words outrage and courage both have the word rage in them. And yet they're totally different attitudes. We need less outrage and more courageous love. We need less outrage and more courageous love. I thought that was very telling. So how do we react to opposition? Well, Nehemiah does two things in these verses. And the first one is in verse 4. Nehemiah prays and it tells us what his prayer says verse 4 hear us O our God for we are despised turn their insults back on their own heads do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders he brings his he can feel the anger within him but he gives it to God he doesn't keep that anger within him he brings it in prayer and gives it to God. And the prayer helps him, I believe, diffuse his anger, not throw fuel on the fire. Prayer would help Nehemiah gain a new perspective. He would gain insight on how to respond and how to better lead his people because above all else, it seems to me when you read Nehemiah, Nehemiah has a real sense of God's sovereignty and how God is always there. As with David before Goliath, he could declare, the battle is the Lord's. I think most of our disagreements, our issues in church life would likely go much better if we all, include myself, had more of that attitude. The battle is the Lord's. We don't fight against each other because we have an enemy who is there that we need to unite to fight against. His name is Satan. And when churches are divided, he's laughing because we're doing his work for him, aren't we? So the first response is prayer. The second response, verse 6, he gets on with the job. He cracks on. Verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half his height for all the people worked with all their heart. They get the wall up to half height, which is a marvellous achievement. There's still lots to do, but they've cracked on and they've done a great job. And that builds confidence about what God is doing among them. We see later on in the passage in verse 13 that Nehemiah is a practical organiser. He gets them organised into family groups, he gets people to the weakest parts of the walls. 
He posts them uh, with guards and sentries. He's got the thing well organised. Look at verse 16 to 18. Half of the men are working on the wall and the other half are standing there with uh, swords and shields and spears standing guard, ready to repel any attacks. That shows persistence in the face of opposition. He's not going to let anything get in the way of doing what he genuinely believes God is telling him to do. That is amazing, isn't it? I admire so much what I, can, I don't think I could ever aspire to be like Nehemiah, but he is a very admirable person because he gets a sense of what God is doing in that moment and he doesn't let criticism stop God's will being done. Close with verse 14, I think it's so relevant. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. He is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. He is great and awesome. Going to uh, take our prayers this morning from this book. Pray the word for your church. Some lovely prayers in this book and uh, I do commend it to you. It's written by someone called Tease, T-I-E-C, Tease King. Pray the word for your church. 31 prayers that seek God's purposes and power. It's a lovely book with uh, a whole month's worth of quite lengthy prayers and uh, the one that I want to pray today is based on Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's a prayer that I think is relevant for all of us as we still live in this in-between time of lockdown and the easing of lockdown between normality, strangeness and the new normal. And as we begin to reopen our churches we need all the more, I believe, to bear with one another, to recognise that we're not perfect, that we all, from time to time, mess up. And so I'm sitting here in the prayer chapel at St Paul's and uh, I just want to use this prayer for all of us. I pray it for myself and I encourage us all to pray this for ourselves as individuals and as churches in this benefice. Heavenly Father, by your word, you admonish us to clothe ourselves with humility, to oppose the proud, but give grace to those who are humble. By the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, teach our church community this way of living out Christ with one another. May we and may I put aside self-serving ways and choose to consider each other's needs first. May each and everyone in my fellowship of believers here be determined to keep the unity of the Spirit. Father, I ask that you destroy all gossip, envy and strife that is yet among us and keep us from judging one another. Father, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the stronghold of pride be broken among us and broken in me. 
that all the ways that is evident in our living be destroyed. From our need to be right and our opinions to be valid validated, O oh Lord, save us. From our prejudices and preferences, O oh Lord, save us. From our sense of entitlement, O oh Lord, deliver us. From our refusal to serve and use our gifts for your kingdom, O oh God, forgive us. For our lack of repentance and brokenness before you, O oh God, have mercy on us. It then suggests that we take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to show us as individuals, those things in our own lives that might be evident and confess them to our Lord. It is written, Father, that the sacrifices that please you are a broken and contrite heart. And so I ask in agreement with your word that we might become a people marked by repentance and humility before you. May the very meditations of our hearts be brought under the rule and reign of the Holy Spirit, and every thought that keeps us ensnared in prideful living be taken captive in Jesus' name. Teach us as a church community to follow the example of Jesus, our Lord and our Master who humbled himself and became a servant, washing the feet of those he led. Strengthen us by the Holy Spirit to follow his example, that our relationships with one another also might be defined by a towel and basin humility. May we serve each other out of our love for Jesus. O oh God, help us in our weakness Teach us to walk in your way that as a community of faith, we might move forward in humility together in the kingdom work that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Do I have an Amen? Amen.
our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And so we pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with your body and blood. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Our closing song today, lovely hymn, which reminds us that we are sent out into the world to live, to serve others. Brother, sister, let me serve you.
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep all of our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.